This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Java Chapman in for Liz Gill this morning with Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. This morning, we're going to be talking all about taxes. We are nowhere near the dreaded April 15th deadline, so we're going to take some time to talk calmly about income taxes, and you can give us a call right now to join the conversation one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can send us an email to our email address, legalterms at mpbonline.org. Uh, good morning, Richard uh, Gershon or Professor Gershon. How, how, how should I go about this today? <laughs> you know, driver, I'll call you driver. You call me Richard. How about that? We'll be, we'll be good. That's, you know. I was Richard long before I had a title, so I'm uh, happy to be Richard. Sounds like a game plan this morning. How are things up there in Oxford? They're great, and I hope they're good in Jackson, and it's good to work with you today and uh, excited to talk a little bit about taxes. You know, I know that we should warn people that uh, uh, this show may cause drowsiness uh, and you shouldn't tax (laughs) and drive, but, uh, you know, I think it'll be a good show. I hope hope uh, we have some good questions. Yeah, when Liz came to me and, you know, told me she was going to be out and asked could I uh, come and host, I said, no problem. Then she told me that the uh, topic was going to be taxes. I was like, wow, I am the uh, wrong person for the job. But it's perfect because we're nowhere near uh, the tax deadline, which is when a lot of people start to think about taxes. So we got some time to uh, stretch some things out and uh, and get some of these, uh, uh, these changes out of the way because we have the new tax cuts and jobs act and um, a lot of a lot of different things are going to be uh, happening with your taxes now that's right and it, you know this was really the first major tax reform in over 30 years so uh, you know it uh, there'll be some things that people will have to adjust to and you know we'll, we'll talk about some of those that will mostly affect our listeners there there were a lot of international changes as well I don't think, you know, that that many people listening will necessarily be affected by those. I'm sitting here with a uh, 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 an explanation of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, including the act itself, and it's over uh, 1,000 pages, it's almost 1,100 pages. Uh, so we won't be able to get to everything, but I thought it would be good to talk about the things that affect most listeners. Yeah, we will get into it. I, I never understood how all those intricacies, uh, you know, 1,100 pages on the, on the tax bill, but you have to uh, get those uh, T's crossed and those I's dotted. But also uh, this morning, I guess if we can talk a little bit about the big news um, sweeping across America, it involves uh, the law and everybody's rights. We have uh, Brett Kavanaugh, Judge Brett Kavanaugh. He's going to be uh, Trump's pick for Supreme Court. We're not going to get too political, but just talk a little bit about why this is uh, important to, first off, have a new Supreme Court justice uh, on the way. Well, it's a great question, Java, and I think well worth uh, spending some time on, and I'm glad I'm glad you brought it up. You know, the, the fact is the uh, – Whoever is supported, uh, appointed to the Supreme Court will serve for a long time. You know, they're appointed for life, and uh, we've seen, you know, justices uh, work well into their 80s, and uh, Brett Kavanaugh right now is only 53. So he could be a justice on the Supreme Court easily for 30 years, and, you know, that means that for the next uh, 30 years we could have uh, decisions 
affected by his perspective on, on the loss, certainly. Yeah, and um, like you say, it, it is an important thing to uh, to note because these guys are uh, well, guys and and gals <laughs> are on the on the bench for for a very long time. When is the uh, give us a quick history lesson? The last time we switched uh, judges out. Well, it's been, you know it's been a while. Uh, yeah, obviously, uh, with uh, Justice Scalia passing away, uh, you know there's the appointment there. But you know the the, the thing is um, when judges are appointed. Uh, by the president, they're actually nominated. That's that's what has happened here. They're nominated, and then the the Senate uh, will conduct hearings, and ultimately the Senate uh, confirms that nomination in essence. And then the, then the person will be appointed by the president. In our history, there have only been twelve uh, nominations that were not uh, ultimately voted in favor by the Senate. So. You know, it, there's a presumption that if the president makes the nomination, the person will be appointed. Yeah, and that's why I'm a big, uh, a big voting advocate. And, you know, no matter whichever way you lean, uh, you should vote because, as you say, the nom- the nomination is made by the president, but it's not in stone. And the senators that were elected by the people and uh, represent uh, the citizens of the, of the country uh, have the, the the final say. So, so that's why it's always important to uh, to voice your opinion. But we're not here to talk about that, and that can put some people to sleep. But we're here to talk about taxes. This morning, and we actually have our first caller on the line. Um, we're going to go to Willie in Louisiana. Good morning, Willie. Uh, Willie, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Uh, yes, sir. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. All right. You're on the line with Professor Richard Gershwin. And uh, what's your question this morning? A question is uh, my, on my state tax. Last year, last year, this year I got it all. A little bit late, but I got it all. But last year, I didn't get a chance to get it all. And what I have to pay in last year on it. And what I have to do on that behalf, do I have to just go ahead on sending in with the payment? But I'll be, I'm going to be late because I've always been sending in last year. Yeah, well, that's a, it's a good question. And, you know, the thing is, you want to make sure, you know, you do get your taxes caught up. Uh, one thing to think about is if they're late, and it does sound like they're late, uh, there are ways to pay online. Uh, there are ways to pay uh, by by mail as well, but you you probably will owe some interest and also penalties. So that's why we you know we really want to try to get it in on time because uh, the interest rates can be pretty high, and then the penalties on top of that can increase the amount that someone owes. Uh, okay. you know, a little bit like uh, credit card debt in that respect, because the longer you you wait, the more you're you're going to end up paying. So I encourage okay. you to go ahead and get that in and get it paid. And, uh, yeah, you know, you do you do need to pay it um, oh. uh, as soon as possible. Okay. All right. Thank you for that, uh, Willie, this morning. Hopefully uh, we got your question. And uh, now with these uh, new uh, the 2017 Tax Cups and Jobs Act, one of the um, ways that it's going to affect the uh, individual, the individual taxpayer is that enhanced child credit. Me as a as a parent, uh, this is something that I should know more about. So uh, I'll let you go ahead and give a, a, a nice explanation for that, doc, uh, Professor Gershwin. Right. And that's, you know, you know, you and I will both. I have four children and I will tell you, you know, we may get a ta- an enhanced tax credit, but uh, people people know you don't save money by having children. And, uh, and no, so, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> right now, you know the uh, the child credit 
for that, this under the Tax Cut and Job Act is is uh, doubled from a thousand dollars to two thousand dollars. So that that's you know that's a, a big difference, and and it's a credit. So that means that uh, that is a credit directly against a dollar of tax owed by the person. Uh, credits are much more valuable than deductions because if I'm a 30% tax bracket, for example, my deduction is really only going to save me, a dollar of deduction is only going to save me 30 cents because it's only going to save me whatever my tax bracket is times tax. But a dollar of credit saves you a dollar of taxes. So, you know, that's that's a much more valuable thing to have credits than, than deductions. Um, $1,400 worth of the uh, child tax credit is refundable. And what that means is that if I um, actually... Uh, have paid more taxes than I owe because of the tax credit, I can get some money back. And that really will help people in the lowest uh, tax brackets. Uh, the tax credit phases out, though. Uh, so once somebody reaches 110000 of adjusted gross income, all the way up to 400000 where it's phased out completely for married couples, then it starts to phase out and you start to lose some of that credit. Uh, so it, it's less valuable for higher bracket taxpayers. And if you uh, just joined the program, we are talking about uh, taxes this morning. So if you have any questions about your federal or state income taxes, uh, more specifically about the uh, the new uh, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, you can give us a call right now, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or send an email, legalterms at mpbonline.org. And like you said, uh, Professor Gershwin, with uh, uh, the phasing out uh, under prior law, there were seven ordinary income tax rates, and now they're going to uh, change that number. Well, there'll still be seven rates, but the, but the, but the rates themselves are going to change. So, you know, there, were, there was a lot of discussion that they were going to uh, try to simplify by having uh, just a couple of rate, tax rates. They ended up staying with a total of seven. Um, and, you know, the, the difference was that and under the prior law, the rates were 10 percent, 15 percent, 25 percent. 28% and 33% all the way up to 35%. Now there actually is, they've added a 37% bracket. So they've actually increased the tax rate for people on the higher end, but the rates in between are lower. So you've got 10, 12, 22 instead of 25, 24 instead of 28, 32 instead of 33, and, and the 35% bracket stays the same. So they really didn't make those dramatic changes and people, uh, the the pundits out there, both on both sides of the uh, the fence, in terms of the think tanks, say that it'll have minor uh, economic impact for uh, for taxpayers. It really won't increase spending that much necessarily because uh, uh, you know there really aren't that dramatic changes. The other thing that I that I think people should think about is Congress changed the way that they index inflation. Uh, under the old law, inflation uh, was actually assumed to be higher so that the rates uh, adjusted for inflation at a much greater pace. Under the new law, there'll be much less adjustment for inflation. So if we have inflation, uh, you know, and so my dollars aren't buying as much as they used to, but I've got more of them, but they're not worth as much, I'll be pushed into a higher bracket much quicker so I'll be paying more taxes on that money, even though I have, uh, don't have as much buying power. So one of the concerns in the long run is that this will actually be a tax increase as opposed to a tax cut. 
All right. And we're going to go ahead and take our first break uh, this morning. This is in legal terms, and we're talking all about federal income tax, state income tax this morning. So if you have a question, you can uh, join in our conversation. One eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can send us an email to legal terms at MPB online dot org. We'll be back with more in legal terms right after the break. If you're a sustaining member of MPB Think Radio, we appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. And we're back. This is In Legal Terms here on MPB Think Radio. Not everyone has a chance to listen to our show live, our complete show live. You may be doing something or hopping in and out the car, but if you missed any part of the program, you can log on to our website, mpbonline.org, and listen to this show after it is done. Also, you can subscribe to the podcast using any podcast app or listen during of uh, inside our MPB public media app. I'm Java Chapman in for Liz Gill here with Professor Richard Gershwin from the University of Mississippi School of Law. And this morning we're talking all about your taxes. We're nowhere near the April 15th deadline, so we can keep all the blood pressure low and uh, still have a nice conversation about your money and you. And now we're going to go to another phone call. We have Larry in Newton on the line. Good morning, Larry. Good morning. Go ahead with your question. You're online with uh, Professor Gershwin. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, I run into a situation back in 2014, and it was pertaining to the gambling win-loss on your income tax return sheet. And I was at playing the casino uh, slot machines, and I have Obama insurance. Well, the tax form is written to where... You win, and then you show your loss. And it usually washes out because the way casinos are set up, you're going to lose over the long term, and you lose more than you win. Well, when you switch over to the Obama insurance, the win is there but not the loss. So as it's set up right now, I won, say, 121000 I lost 122000 when in reality, I lost 1000 over a period of 12 months, but I owe taxes on 121000 So now I owe them, the IRS, 11000 some odd dollars, and I'm paying them 153 a month. Have you run into that situation or heard of it? That's a new one to me, actually. I mean, I know that the gambling losses are limited to the extent of gambling gains, as you mentioned, and that uh, is something that uh, I, you know, have known that they won't let you take a gambling loss, a net loss. But, you know, I always encourage people, if you do make money, to make sure you have substantiate the money that you lost as well. Um, I, you know, that's the first I've heard that there's any tie-in with uh, having the, uh, you know, the insurance subsidy. Uh, in terms of the gambling wins and losses, there is something you have to do called uh, modified adjusted gross income and calculate that. But I would I would revisit that with them because I'm not so sure. That's one maybe somebody I out have there spoken to them for approximately six hours, 
and uh, I explained to the lady, and she was uh, she had visited casinos before, and she understood that you could take a dollar bill and play a penny machine all day long, and you know end up losing that dollar bill. But at the end of the day, you show a win of a thousand dollars, but you've lost a thousand and one dollar. Well, now you owe taxes on that thousand dollars. You know, they're part of your adjusted gross income, but your losses can be taken as an itemized deduction. Uh, you know, maybe maybe what happened was, I mean, if you didn't itemize, that could be a problem. Maybe the other thing is you have to substantiate those losses. You would have to have receipts for those losses. So, you know, if the horse track is easy enough because you can bring your, your losing tickets. I've actually heard of people picking up losing tickets off the ground, too, to, to, to try to substantiate that that was a loss for them. But, um, you know, I think uh, I think, you know, that's something that probably there's something more to this than simply the fact that you were having, uh, you know, the the Obamacare insurance, because uh, you should still be able to take the gambling losses as an itemized deduction. You weren't pro- prohibited from taking itemized deductions. And that is one of the itemized deductions uh, that you'd be allowed to take. So unless I'm just missing something, I'm not sure where that happened. But she may be saying to you that you haven't proven those losses all right larry and this may this question may be uh something a little bit along the lines for our uh money talks crew which uh happens every uh hour before before the show nine o'clock on tuesdays and you can send them an email and i'm pretty sure they will uh, respond back as money talks at uh mpb money at mpbonline.org just money mpbonline.org but we do want to thank you for your call this morning uh larry and doctor uh i want to call you doctor the good doctor professor gershwin <laughs> um as we were talking about uh kids in this new this new tax plan that uh 529 plan are there going to be any changes to that because i know that's always a popular topic especially with people who have kids uh, there is actually well the the one thing that happened with the five twenty nine plan, which is a college savings plan uh is in the past that was only for um, higher education college graduate school now, under the new law, the five twenty nine plan can be used for elementary and high school education, so private schools people can put money away uh for private school education as well i mean the idea behind a five twenty nine plan is you that you save money. Uh, for your child's uh, education, put it away. It grows uh, tax-deferred. It's run through the state. Uh, the states uh, have their, their own plans that you invest in. And then uh, what happens is the, uh, the state uh, allows you to uh, take a deduction quite often for those uh, on your state tax return, not necessarily your federal tax return. And also for the um, – I know there are a lot of changes inside of this uh, – uh, uh, jobs and um, uh, tax cuts and jobs act. Also, with the uh, um, deductions that you guys were just talking about with Larry, um, there are as a um, repeals this new bill repeals the deduction of personal exemptions. Um, and I know you said uh, many of the above the line uh, deductions were retained, but what are the other some of the other changes? All right. Well, you know, some of the things that uh, I, I think some of the most important changes, yeah, that did repeal the personal exemption, it increased the standard deduction. Uh, and so that's that's going to be important because the increased standard deduction will mean fewer people will itemize their deductions. Uh, so the standard deduction for a joint return will now be 24000 and that's up from 13000 
And uh, for a single person, it's $12,000 up from 6500 And the reason that will have an impact is, let's say I, I happen to have, uh, in the past, my standard deduction was 13000 and I happen to have a home mortgage, and I happen to make some charitable contributions and have some other itemized deductions that add up to maybe uh, $18,000. In the past, I would have been able to take those $18,000 uh, know, expenses and reduce my income. Uh, now I'm going to instead choose to take the $24,000 standard deduction, uh, which if someone had no expenses, they get that $24,000 uh, standard deduction. So, uh, you know, it, it means that uh, people who would have had those itemized deductions in the past don't really get the, sa- the same benefit from them that they used to have. It, the argument is it makes things simpler because then fewer people will have to file a Schedule A. Uh, other big change, this is the big one. This is one, you know, I don't usually advise people to get divorced. And I, that's, that was, you read my mind because that was my next uh, topic on our on our uh, information sheet. You put this in big, bold letters about people planning to get a divorce. Yeah, you know, it's I, I don't really understand the reasoning behind this in Congress. But uh, if your decree is entered into, your divorce decree uh, uh, determining alimony is entered into, after the end of this year, 2018, so even though the act was effective uh, or enacted in 2017, the end of 2017, uh, it, it's for the end of this year. So any divorce decrees that are entered into by December 31st of this year that, that give alimony, that alimony will still be deductible. Uh, and it is deductible above the line, which means it's right off of someone's income. Starting with decrees starting next year, alimony will no longer be deductible. And that's important because when parties are getting divorced, we assume that if alimony is, is uh, required uh, by one person to another, that, that the person paying the alimony is typically in a higher tax bracket than the person receiving the alimony. You would make sense, right? So what's that that's going to mean is it's going to be the deduction reduces the cost uh, to the payor uh, and the benefit then to the payee is better because they're in a lower tax bracket. Uh, repealing the, the deduction for alimony will affect the economics of paying alimony because now if I have to pay taxes on my alimony that I pay to my ex-spouse, I'm not going to be able to pay as much. So it's really something courts are going to have to take into account. It's really going to affect the amount of alimony that a, someone can pay. I'm really not sure why Congress did it. I don't really understand the reasoning behind it because the alimony deduction has been around for a long time. So if the the big moral of the story is if your holy matrimony is no longer holy, uh, you should make sure you get that paperwork in before the end of 2018. That's right. I mean, <laughs> you're exactly right. Now, and that's if you're, if you're going to have to pay alimony, uh, especially for any extended period of time. Uh, you know, most, mo- in most divorces, the first thing in, in every state that I'm aware of, the first thing they're going to do is do a property settlement to try to make sure – uh, that alimony uh, is minimized, but still, nonetheless, there are a lot of estate, there are a lot of people that are going to have to pay alimony, and that's going to have a huge impact on their economic ability to pay. Now, if you enter into the decree by the end of this year, your alimony will be deductible not just this year, but every year after that. If you wait till next year, it'll never be deductible unless they change the law again. Okay. And if you're just joining the program, we're talking about the uh, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017. A lot of uh, different things are going to be happening to your taxes, including uh, the size of your um, 
uh, form that you fill out. But if you want to join the uh, conversation, if you have any questions about your state or federal income tax, you can uh, give us a call, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. Also, I have the email pulled up right here. You can send us an email, legalterms at mpbonline.org. That's legalterms at mpbonline.org. Now, Professor Gershwin, with all of these changes, um, one noticeable change is going to be, I guess, the postcard size form uh, to fill your taxes. And uh, they say about 90% of all taxpayers will be able to do it this way. Right. It's a little bit uh, of a uh, smoke and mirrors, though, if you really oh. want to know the truth. <laughs> because, I mean, the fact is most, most taxpayers at this point already do their taxes online, so there's really no form that, that's actually you know filled out technically anyway. I mean, you, you're doing it online, and the paperwork is done online. You still have to do all the paperwork. It's just the actual form you would send in, the physical form you would send in is going to be a postcard size, and it's going to give the information. But, you know, that's the uh, the better way. I, I mean, I would encourage taxpayers to use the online method. It's more secure uh, than using the U.S. mail, you know, because you're, you're sending something through the mail. A lot of people can have access to it. you got your Social Security number on there, your kid's Social Security number on there. Uh, you know, while online is not a perfect medium by for sure, it's a much more secure median. Just make sure you you know you see that it, you're using a secure site, and that is a better way to file, and that's the preferred way to file. So I'm not sure for most of us it'll change very much. Yeah, because I know a big thing when they were uh, talking about the tax uh, plan, the new tax plan. You know, that was one of the I guess selling points. Uh, everything is going to be uh, so simplified, and you can put it on a postcard. Uh, we're going to go ahead and take our second break for the hour. We do have some calls on the line. Diane and Gauthier, also Belinda and Clinton. We're going to be getting to you. Also, we're going to talk about some of the uh, tax uh, changes for the businesses out there. There are a lot of changes, not only with your individual taxes, but also with the businesses, the small business, uh, reduction in the corporate tax rate and all of those things. So we're going to talk about that when we get back. You can join the conversation, one 877 Seven six seven two seven four six four. That's one eight seven seven MPB ring. Or send us an email legal terms at mpbonline.org. We'll be back with more in legal terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is In Legal Terms here on MPB Think Radio. I'm Java Chapman, in for Liz Gill, here with Professor Richard Gershwin from the University of Mississippi School of Law. And if you miss any part of the program, you can always listen back on our website, mpbonline.org. Also, you can check out the podcast using any podcast app, or if you have our MPB public media app, you can listen there also. Right now, we're going to keep uh, going on with our topic of income tax, state and federal income tax, with the the new uh Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017. There are a lot of changes, including with the individual taxes, also with the uh, business taxes. And one of the, the, I guess, the main changes uh, for the businesses is the reduces the reduction in the top corporate tax rate uh, from a maximum of 35 percent to a flat 
20% rate. Uh, Professor, can you explain that a little bit more for me? Sure, absolutely. You st- absolutely. Um, the, you know, the, one of the major changes in the uh, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act is the change to the corporate tax rate. And, you know, there was a lot of discussion about how our corporations were essentially taxed at a higher rate than a lot of other corporations throughout the world. And so uh, one of the major uh, pushes of this new act was to, to reduce the maximum rate from 35 percent to 21 percent for corporations. Uh, and so that that did, in fact, take place. Um, What's interesting, too, uh, a personal service corporation is also subject to a flat 21% tax rate down from 35%. And that, uh, that's a corporation that generally provides uh, uh, services like, you know, like a law firm or accounting firm or, uh, you know, a, a, a doctor's office. And so, in a way, that corporation now will be taxed at a lower rate than the individual people performing the services in that corporation and, and I'm, I'm, I'm a little confused by that because uh, personal service corporations have always been taxed at the highest rate uh, of an individual because, in essence, the personal service corporations really are uh, those individuals. So that's going to be an interesting one. I've heard a lot of people say that they may have to rethink that because what will happen is these cor- the, uh, people will have incentive to keep that money in the corporation itself at a lower rate than take it out. Uh, as well, so there, you know, there there are those impacts. The one that I think a lot of people will be uh, interested in, besides the twenty percent uh, t- uh, rate for corporations, the lower I should say the lower tax rate for corporations, twenty one percent, is the deduction for qualifying income, and that is if you are a partnership or sole proprietorship, uh, and you can deduct twenty percent of your income from that business under the new law. Now, that does not apply to personal service entities like uh, law firms or accounting firms, but, uh, you know, someone who is, uh, employs other people and uh, uh, is doing uh, something other than service income can take 20%, a 20% deduction of their income. So that will lower uh, their tax rate as well, and that's one that um, I think will be uh, helpful to a lot of sole proprietors. Yeah, and I see because if you uh, let's just you know, quick math and basic math, me? my math. I'm sorry. <laughs> Can you hear me, uh, Richard? Uh, yes, what, yes. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, if you have an income of uh, yeah, one, can you hear me? Oh yeah, we're we're, we're connected. If you have an income of uh, one hundred thousand dollars, the IRS can only tax that okay, uh, that eighty thousand dollars with that uh, new twenty percent tax rate. Uh, let's go back to our phones. We have a couple of calls on the line. We have Diane. Right. Diane from Gaucher, and um, she has a question about business loss. Good morning, Diane. Good, good morning. Go yes, ahead. What's I your have question? A question about business loss? I've been preparing just to have a little something on the side for my retirement. Not much, just a little extra something. And I've been I having a loss every year. Not much, but a loss every year. Uh, is there a penalty or a limit on how many years you can have a loss on a business? That's a it's a great question, and and that's something called a net operating loss. But first, I want to uh, if it's just a business that you're, uh, uh, you know, running kind of on the side, and you and you're losing money every year, uh, you know, then you're going to have to 
be concerned about whether the IRS is going to treat that as a hobby. And, um, and so, you know, the, uh, that's a, that's a concern because if you, if it's considered a hobby, because it's not an activity engaged in for, for profit, uh, and they gauge that by looking at how many years do you make profit over five years. If you make profit three out of five years, then you probably are engaged in for profit. But if you're losing money every year, maybe you're not, and, and you're probably not. They're going to presume you're not. So you won't be able to take those those losses against other income. But if it's a legitimate business, then you can carry forward uh, for any tax year uh, starting this year, you can carry forward the net operating loss for uh, 20 years after the tax year. So, I mean, that, that, you know, you could, you can do that uh, assuming it's treated as a legitimate activity engaged in for profit and not a hobby. And I would be concerned that they might want to deny those losses uh, as hobby losses. Okay. That means an audit. Is that how I would find out? Well, you know, the, uh, so you're, if you're having a net loss every year so that you, you have more, more losses than income, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one, if, and they haven't challenged it yet, I'm just saying I would be concerned that you, you probably need to have some years where you actually make money from that business to have it uh, not okay. treated as a hobby. And that, you know, that would be my advice. Obviously, I don't have all the facts, and I can't give you, give you legal advice on it, but just generally speaking, uh, they're going to look at a five-year period, and you know the the way to determine if an activity is engaged in for profit is is it making money, or okay. has it at least made money in in three out of five years, uh, and then and then it then it is. Okay, all righty then. Okay, thank you very much. All right, because I mean, my pleasure. And you know, from a policy point of view, Java, you know, really it makes sense because. Uh, you know, if you can't really sustain a business if you're going to lose money every year. Yeah, that and is And the idea true. behind deductions is you're spending money to make money. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, it, it makes sense that you know that there is that hobby loss limitation. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's go um, switch gears just a little bit. Um, go to Belinda in Clinton. Uh, she has a call, and we're going to talk about, I guess, what mortgage and deductibles. Good morning, Belinda. Good morning. How are you guys this morning? Oh, we're hanging in there. You're on the line with uh, Professor Richard Gershwin. And what's your what's your question this morning? I'm just kind of curious. We have uh, our baby will be 26 on next year. And she's in college. We're paying insurance and all that good stuff. Um, we're probably going to lose that deductible um, in the next year or so. So I'm just curious, is it better in the next year or so to be trying to figure out if we need to pay off our mortgage um, or just keep that as kind of a tax write-off? Okay, well, that's a great question. Now, the the new law did reduce for new mortgages – uh, the deductible amount from one million dollars, which it previously was, to to seventy five uh, seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, but that's for new mortgages. It also took away uh, the deduction for uh, home equity loans that we used to be able to take, unless those loans are used to actually make home improvements. That's those are the changes under the new law. I'm, I th- I really think it depends on your economic situation, but uh, you know the if you're you know if you're if you need money. Uh, to do uh, to invest, and again, this is probably a, a, a money uh, talks kind of thing. I would say, you know, uh, as long as you can afford your mortgage, you're, you're getting the tax deduction, and it makes economic sense for you. 
there's no reason to, to pay it off early uh, if you need, you know, the, the resources uh, to invest in other things like insurance. So I, I it really depends on your personal uh, financial situation. But um, in the long run, you know, paying the mortgage as it's due, um, you know, frees up other money uh, that you can use for other things. Okay, thank you so very That's much. Well, glad we could help, Uh, Belinda. Glad we could help. Were you going to say something else, uh, Professor? Yeah, I was going to say that really, again, it's it's a personal thing for every everybody, you know. It depends on what the interest rate is on that mortgage. It depends on, uh, you know, how much longer somebody has. I mean, I do think one thing that we do personally in my family is we pay a little extra every month uh, on the mortgage to pay it down sooner. So I do think it, it does make sense to... To, to pay it down sooner because as you get closer to the end of your mortgage, you're paying more principal and less interest. So you're getting a, a lower interest deduction in at any point anyway. Uh, so, you know, those are all things that people have to consider for themselves. And uh, it's hard to, to, to have a blanket one size fits all. Uh, this morning, we're talking about uh, state and federal income taxes with the Tax Cut and Jobs Act of 2017 coming to effect. You may have some questions this morning. I'm Java Chapman filling in for Liz Gill with Professor Richard Gershwin. And if you want to join the conversation, it's one eight seven seven mpb ring That number, once again, is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can send an email to legalterms at mpb online.org. Now, one of the uh, striking things that got me before we go to our next break is with this uh, Tax Cuts and uh, Jobs Act, uh, most taxpayers will pay less in taxes. Is that correct? You know, that is correct. Uh, you know, that for at least the first couple of years, and then but that yeah, starts to shift. It, like I said, uh, the tax cuts will expire. Can you, uh, I guess, kind of expound on that before the break? Right. Yes. Um, you know, the, so there are changes in the law where some of these tax cuts actually have a time frame in which they'll expire. And so uh, the people who have written a lot about this say that in the long run, it's actually a tax increase. And one thing to think about is that the government is also going to be cutting the subsidies for uh, things like the Affordable Care Act. Uh, so a lot of people who are uh, maybe get paying less in taxes will also be getting fewer benefits uh, and, uh, you know, and so, and, you know, the, the people who are going to be impacted the most negatively will be the people who rely on those government benefits. So they may be paying less in taxes, but they'll be getting fewer benefits uh, in, in, in conjunction with that. And uh, we do have some calls coming in, but we are going to go ahead and take our last break for the hour. This is In Legal Terms. I'm Java Chapman filling in for Liz Gill this morning with Professor Richard Gershwin from the University of Mississippi School of Law. And if you want to join our conversation about your state and federal income taxes, you can give us a call, one eight seven seven. MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or send an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. We'll be back to wrap up, wrap up the program after this break. If you miss anything on MPB Think Radio, you can always stay up to date by logging on to our website at mpbonline.org or use your mobile device and download our MPB public media app. This is MPB Think Radio, where Mississippi is our mission. Welcome back to In Legal Terms. If you miss any of our program, you can listen back to the whole show 
in just a little while. I have to go to my computer and load it up, but it's going to be at our website, mpbonline.org slash terms. It's also available on our MPB public media app, along with uh, all of our local shows. I'm Java Chapman in for Liz Gill here with Professor Richard Gershwin from the University of Mississippi School of Law. And if you're just joining us, we've been talking all about income taxes, state and federal, with the Tax Cuts and Job Act of 2017 coming to effect. Um, Professor Gershwin, I know that um, one of the, I guess I could say, joys of um, owning a small business when you do have one, uh, that you know, you get to go out to eat and go to certain places. And a lot of times people say, oh, I can just write this off on my taxes. Are there going to be any... Uh, uh, any changes with those meals being written off? <laughs> well, it didn't repeal that. You know, the, the new law did not repeal the deduction for fifty percent of food and beverages uh, associated with operating a trader business. So that that part uh, is not changed, um, and that you know there are certain there, those limits have been there. Uh, but there is a repeal for, of the deduction for entertainment, amusement, and recreation activities. Uh, for example, uh, you know, if I uh, take uh, someone to uh, a play or something as a as a, a business expense, you know, that's that's not going to be uh, deductible uh, anymore. Um, if you know uh, activities engaged in for any entertainment, amusement, or recreation, so that certainly might affect uh, people who go to football games here uh, as a business proposition. Yeah, so buying uh, out the company the company box and, and 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 having a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday afternoon on the company card is about to change. <laughs> that, that's right. That's right. Now, you know, uh, I I have talked to a lot of people who say, "Hey, you know, when you entertain somebody for business uh, at a football game, it's business. I mean, you are doing business and you really are, you know, you're working, you're not really getting a chance to enjoy the game. You'd much rather be there uh, yourself. So I'm not, you know, I think that, uh, that I understand the idea that we shouldn't be allowing, uh, deductions for things that are really, uh, primarily entertainment. Uh, but maybe, maybe the, the act went a little bit too far in that respect. Uh, you know, the other thing is, um, uh, uh, things like, this one affected us at the university. Uh, it used to be that um, we could have our parking fees taken out pre-tax uh, and, uh, you know, out of our payroll. Uh, now the, that we can no longer do that. So we have to pay tax on the parking fees. Uh, they're not taken out pre-tax. And so there were changes like that that are going to affect, you know, everyday people uh, that I think uh, they'll start to see more and more. Uh, you know, if you help, if you paid... Uh, a little bit of a premium to get your season tickets. It used to be deductible uh, at universities. That's no longer deductible. So just things like that. And, uh, you know, those may, honestly, the, the season ticket part thing may be justified. The parking <laughs> thing may not. Yeah. Well, also, I know, um, you know, we're here in Mississippi, and there's a church on every corner just about. Are there any going to be any uh, changes with the nonprofits in the in, in the tax uh, code? Yes, there are. In fact, uh you know, uh, there, the thing that really matters uh, for the for for churches and not profits uh, is that um, if they have unrelated businesses, those are going to be treated differently. And if I can quickly explain an unrelated business, let's say that a, that a church happened to to run a dairy, and that running that dairy really had nothing to do with its, its exempt purpose 
Uh, and it also provides that, you know, every day but Sunday maybe it, it leases out its its parking lot, you know, and uh, maybe it's in a big city and, and parking's at a premium. Uh, those are unrelated businesses. There are businesses the church runs that are really not related to its exempt purpose. Those are taxable. Uh, in the past, they could use uh, the losses against one of their unrelated business, says against profits from another. So let's say their dairy loss money but their parking service was made money, they could offset offset the uh, parking service income with the dairy losses. Can't do that anymore. Uh, they're all going to have to be treated separately. So, uh, yeah, that's something for, for uh, not-for-profits to think about if they run something called an unrelated business. But the, but the quarters, nickels, and dimes from the bake sale for the building fund are safe. That's right, yeah. So <laughs> charitable deduction, you know, the, the things that they collect that are for uh, – their actual uh, exempt purpose, you know, membership fees for the church, things like that are, are going to be deductible still. Okay. Well, we're running up on a little bit of time. If you have a quick question you want to get in, you can give us a call, one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. And as we wrap up the program, um, there are a lot of changes, uh, Professor Gershon. As you said, this is the first, uh, I guess, major tax reform in about 30 years. Are there any other things that we haven't touched on today? Well, I think, you know, the, the, the major, major things will be the uh, change to the corporate tax rate will be a big one. Uh, the, um, you know, the higher standard deduction. Um, yeah, one, one thing that this is a big one. I think this is uh, one that, that kind of bothered me. You know, if I'm somebody who works at a, uh, a restaurant and I have to buy my own uniform to work at that restaurant, I can no longer deduct the cost of my, uh, my uniform. So, uh, you know, it's, I'm much better off. I always have been much better off if my employer will reimburse me for that cost because then the employer can take the deduction. But employee business expenses are like that are no longer going to be deductible. And that's, uh, I think, you know, I find that problematic. Yeah, because I, 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 I may be misspeaking, but from, uh, I guess, some things that I've heard from uh People, you get your uniform. Uh, you could even maybe deduct the cleaning of that uniform, like the things like that. That's not going to be around anymore. That's right. I mean, so uh, there, there, those things used to be called miscellaneous itemized deductions, and um, so you really employers should be re- reimbursing uh, employees for things like that, uh, you know, for their expenses, and that that's the much better way to do it. So, employee travel. If I if I travel. For the university, I am much better off being reimbursed than, than taking a deduction on my tax return. And a lot of those deductions now I won't be able to take anymore uh, as employee business expenses. So, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, people. If you ru- own your own business, you run your own business, the act helps you. If you're an employee, I'm not sure it does as much. Yeah, and that's where I guess, uh, like you say, maybe the pundits were saying that this was a uh, a tax cut actually for, um, you know, kind of big businesses and things like that. But um, in the long run, when these tax cuts kind of run out, uh, it kind of puts a squeeze a little bit more on the individual. That's right. Yeah, well, we're um, almost out of time, Professor Gershon. I know you said that this <laughs> tax bill is, what, over 1,100 pages long. Can somebody go PDF? Can you go download that if you want it? You can. And actually, it's the, the I, what I have is the bill plus the explanation of the bill uh, by a uh, legal publishing company. And it's, it's about 1,100 pages with, with the explanation. So, yeah, I mean, you can, you can go online. It is publicly available. People can read it. You know, I actually think 
it would be good for people to at least try to read it, you know, because they just read what everybody else tells them it says. But, you know, it is there for everybody to read. There are explanations available lots of different places. We should be educated about this because it affects it affects everybody. Yeah, and, uh, that, that's and a, exactly true. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, as glorious as a, um, a news outlet MPB is, um, you should educate your educate yourself and not just uh, rely on Ezra Wall and Karen Brown and everybody to uh, <laughs> give you all of your news. Well, that'll wrap us up for today uh, in legal terms. Our call screener today was Michelle McAdoo and our board engineer. Uh, in Jackson has been Jay White, and in Oxford it was Paul Bennett. Want to thank him for helping us out. For, for Professor Richard Gershwin, who hosts from the University of Mississippi School of Law, I'm Java Chapman, and up next is our Tuesday Southern Remedy Show, relatively speaking. And remember, you can always listen back to this program on our website, mpbonline.org, or subscribe to the podcast using any podcast app. Make sure you join us again next Tuesday at 10 a.m., For another in legal terms, heard only on MPB Think Radio.